RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to a very special Friday edition of the Dark to Light podcast with... Who am I? Why am I here? <laughs> welcome. How are you? <laughs> and beans. Um, we have the extravaganza this week, Mike. You know we talked about it forever. And it's yep. just, it's it starts today. The extravaganza starts today. But Frank is driving down from New York, obviously not available. And I'm like, you know, I miss Mike so much. I'm going to ask him if he can join me on the Friday show. That's so nice of you. And it really is wrong of Frank to drive and not swing by the house in Delaware and get, say, howdy, want to come along? You want to know, you know, something, anybody stopping in Delaware, kind of like, I know I have listeners in Delaware, but you kind of get a bad taste in your mouth, you know? Well, you go over to the Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. rest stop, which they really named a rest stop after this, this, I can't, I can't even start. After our president. Yeah, that's that's OK. You know, nothing works there. You can't really get what you want. And it's more expensive than you were told. But that's why it's the Joe Biden rest stop. I'm just going to say something, honestly, as somebody who has driven through Delaware probably more times than I care to count. It takes about five minutes. You don't need a rest stop. We have three counties. That's it. You know, yeah. I mean, you talk about all the counties everywhere. We have three counties. And you can drive through all of them in 90 minutes or less. Yep. The <laughs> smallest state in the union, literally smallest, but has the most businesses registered there. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, we became like a corporate um, stronghold. They they set up a bunch of laws that were friendly to corporations. And for years and years and years, if you incorporate, you incorporate in Delaware. Nevada went, hey, they're getting a lot of money uh-huh. from people incorporating there. So now Nevada's kind of doing the same thing. But most corporations, a lot of credit cards have headquarters here. That's how uh, Hunter Biden got one of his uh, highly paid gigs. Uh, his daddy got him hooked up with one of the credit card companies. I think it was MBNA. So, yeah, we got banks. We got uh, the a lot of people have post office boxes here for their corporations. Uh, and I will say this. Lower, slower Delaware, as it's known, LSD, is uh, reliably Republican. Very, very much so. And we have beautiful beaches. Well, I just have to hope that some of these upcoming court cases that we have going on are in lower, slower Delaware. They're not. They're in Wilmington, actually. Mm-hmm. And the Hunter one, which, oh, my God, how can we not have wall to wall coverage on the FBI telling agents do not look at Hunter Biden's laptop? How is that not 24 hours a day on every news channel? Do you want to know what it is, honestly? It's that people are so used to the corruption now, it doesn't even make them blink anymore. God. It doesn't even make them blink. Like like the whole meta thing that happened yesterday that we were going to talk about today. Yeah, can we not call them meta? I, I haven't accepted it. Screw you, Zuckerberg. You're Facebook. You'll always be Facebook, you little twit. He is a little twit, and he's such an I, automaton. Do you want to play? Do you have the clip? I don't, but I won't. I will not. I refuse to call him and his company meta. And I'm not even going to call him a twit. He's a twat because that's the most offensive thing British people can say to each other. Here, here, let's listen to him on the Joe Rogan experience, which this was not an experience. He's so terrible here. How do you guys handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The New York Post. Yeah, we have that too. 
Yeah, so you, you guys see, censored First of all, I'm stopping it. Yeah, we had that too. Like he's trying yeah. to one up Twitter. You hear that? Yeah, we had that too. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, there's social media too, but we had that. <laughs> yeah. As well. So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically the background here is the FBI, I think basically came to us, basically. Some, some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was, the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of, um, uh, of that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have, um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation, we, we also have this third-party fact-checking program. because it's, it's laughable, isn't it, as he is using. Every time he uses the word basically, he's lying. Yeah. yeah. He, so you can take a sip of whatever bourbon or tequila you have and know and when you hear the word basically. He said it twice already in this clip, in this brief clip. He's lying, lying, lying. This is a lying sack of horse hockey. Yeah, we're not done with it yet. I'm going to keep playing it, but I just had to stop it there because third-party fact-checkers, third-party fact-checkers. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I bet you if we got the the books of the third-party fact-checkers, they'd all be government employees. How much you want to bet? Or previous government employees from a previous Democrat administration. Terrible. Yeah. Here. I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false um the distribution on facebook was decreased but people were still allowed to share it so you could still share it you could still consume it so when um, you say the distribution is decreased and it, it got shared it, how does that work it basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less so fewer yeah, people saw it than why basically. basically basically that's a lie mm. he's telling a lie and you realize if two people out of the billion plus who are on facebook were allowed to share it he has the right to say, well, basically, people could view it and <laughs> share it. Uh, people. And they're not telling you how many people could not see it. What percentage was killed? And for it was seven to 10 days, he said. Yep. So if you take a story that is so smoking hot and you suppress it for seven to 10 days, the average news consumer has forgotten about it. And basically... The truth saying that um, it, it's uh, it's not worth your while. And they're all saying, well, that that 54 intelligence officials uh, told us that that was Russian disinformation. You know, I did a whole big piece on Johnson and Grassley and their FBI whistleblowers and this whole thing about it being Russian disinformation and how they engineered that whole scandal. It came from Nancy Pelosi. The whole thing. Of course it did. Of course it did. And is this surprising to anybody? Like, listening to this is not surprised. It doesn't surprise me at all. And that's why I keep saying to, like, our people who are on Facebook still and, like, then complain when something like this happens. Like, are you living under a rock or are you just looking for sympathy? Like, which is it? Because it, it's clear that, look, Berenson is suing Twitter right now. I mean, well, actually suing the government or will be very soon, I should say. Did you hear about this, Mike? I did not, but now I'm intrigued. Well, Alex Berenson sued Twitter because they banned him from Twitter for for COVID posts that were later proven that they, they were true the whole time. But 
he he went to court with them and they actually settled with him, which is a wow. first. Okay. Well, well, part of that is if you're up for purchase by, you know, if you're a public company, you're up for sale or purchase, you have to settle every, uh, every outstanding litigation before you can close the sale. See, I didn't think about that, but th- th- maybe the point is they had to reinstate him and they had to say that he was basically telling he was basically telling the truth, Mike, basically. I hope now I've ruined the word basically happening. Yeah, forever. Well, well that's okay. Like what? the word essentially. Anyway, so long story short, in the freaking court case or settlement, they they had to provide discovery. They got to that point and they were providing discovery. And and it turns out that the Biden administration specifically asked Twitter to ban Berenson and didn't even ask, basically demanded that he were banned. So now he's going after the White House because the government can't come in and quelch somebody's free speech on a social on a on a platform that's privately owned. That's not how it's supposed to work. Well, it's not how it's supposed to work. But this all adds up to um, a great suspicion when the White House says they had no idea about the Mar-a-Lago raid, doesn't it? Because they have they know what's going on on every level. They're aware. Joe might not. But all the attorneys who are working for Valerie Jarrett and the other knucklehead, the puppet masters, they certainly know. Well, you know, speaking of that, we can kind of dovetail from this into what's going on now and what's coming out about the Mar-a-Lago raid. Now, I found something yesterday, Mike, and I'm not ready to publish it yet, but let's just talk about it. Why not? Okay. Somebody else will steal it and it'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Bring it on. So I was researching, trying to find the John Paul Mac Isaac lawsuit. Yeah. Because um, I wanted to read that lawsuit and see where they were at with it. Because he's suing CNN, Politico, all of them. And I found instead, for some odd reason, a lawsuit that Mark Meadows had brought against the committee and the government for, well, not the government, the committee, basically. Basically. I say it a lot. I didn't realize it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The committee... (laughs) to to stop the 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 subpoena and the disco- and what they wanted him to turn over you know and invoking privilege which has been long understood to be a very important thing in this country for so many different reasons and i'm reading through the lawsuit and i start realizing that in his correspondence back and forth with the committee he says probably 5 to 10 times in these 15 letters i don't have a lot of this stuff that you're asking for nara does yeah, so the archives have had this. That's Forever. what he's saying. And why would he make that claim were it not true? Well, I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm just saying he's telling the committee as early as November 2021, Nara, 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 Nara. And Nara, at the very same time, is attacking the president back and forth. They're going through, like, you need to give us this. You need to give us that. You need to give us this. And in reading this and reading this, the timelines match up such that I think that all of this stuff or a big percentage of it is coming from the January 6th committee, even though they're not going to want to admit that. It has to be. They are a de facto attack dogs for the administration, all meaning to, and we can have this debate. And I'm sure you and Frank have had this debate, uh, whether or not all this attention is meant to keep Donald Trump out of 2024 or guarantee that he runs. I, we haven't had that debate. 
And I don't know, but I do know that we're doing we're doing so well that they're starting to claim the polls are changing. Okay, which which is what happens every time in an election cycle, two or three months before to demoralize us and make us feel like we're losing. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Mar-a-Lago raid happens, which really had left and right both like, wow, that's really not okay. And then all of a sudden, Joe Biden's at 44 percent approval rating. Like, what does he change? He hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything except make the economy worse. No, what he did was he went away for two weeks on vacation. If you can't screw up, people start remembering the part of you that wasn't screwing up. And there hasn't been a a report on inflation for a couple of weeks. So people who are not paying attention to their grocery receipts and don't recall what their gas prices were a year ago, he's not at any astronomical highs. He's still at 44 percent, which is horrible for a a president who claims to have accomplished all these things. So while those polls have ticked up, it it just tells you um, there is a bottom. But you got to remember, that means 56% of the people don't approve of the guy. Yeah, but 44% is typical for a president during, like, you know what I mean? Like, so they're trying to say that, like, everything is status quo and normal. That's what they're trying to do with these polls. Oh, he's coming back. And you know what? There's a 65% chance that the Democrats keep the Senate. What do you think about that? Well, uh, we are seeing, and because I'm in Delaware and very close to Philadelphia, and I do Philadelphia radio on a weekly basis, Saturday nights, 8 to 11, WPHT, for Mm -hmm. anyone listening, and next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning, 6 to 10 a.m. on the same station, WPHT, on the Odyssey app. Um, I hear and see much about the Pennsylvania races. Now, in in terms of the Senate race, the flawed candidate who is John Fetterman is had a 12-point lead as recent as a week ago. That is now down to five or four, depending on which poll you follow. And uh, they're very reliable polls. Oz is just starting to campaign, really just starting. And in, in this region, and I'm sure in yours as well, After Labor Day, election season kicks in. We really haven't had any election stuff. Plus, the oversampling of Democrats has given Fetterman an advantage. But the fact that he is not debating Dr. Oz, the fact that his speech is so flawed after his stroke. And I have great empathy for anyone who's dealt with a stroke. He has the ability to recover if he will not do what he's doing and go focus on his health. But the the administration and the party has him so convinced that they must win this seat at all costs that it could cost him his own personal health. Yeah. And he doesn't. And this is the thing. They use these people and it really bothers me. Yeah. Like they exploit them. It is total exploitation. But you see, it goes all the way to the top. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I I actually sometimes feel pity for Joe Biden, which is sad, but. Well, as, as a man, as the human, let's go back to, I think it was Seneca. I am human, therefore nothing human is alien to me. I would have said it in Latin, but people would have gotten mad. Uh, but so you can't not feel empathy for Joe Biden's predicament as a human being. He's, he's not well, and he's certainly not going to get any better tomorrow. He's the best he is today, and every day after will be diminished. But Fetterman's the same way unless he does something. But uh, Pennsylvania is now starting to swing. And you're now seeing uh, DeSantis come up and do rallies with Mastriano. So we are seeing some strength underneath the Pennsylvania candidates. 
Um, well, that's dr- good to hear. Kurt Schlichter came out today with an op-ed saying, hey, people, because there's everybody's going around bitching about Oz. Nobody likes them, but they're not understanding that the the, diff, the the person sitting next to him is a freaking vegetable communist. OK, <laughs> well, he's also he's also a guy who chased a black man with a shotgun while he was mayor of a small town, a job that was supposed to be a part time job. It didn't have a full time salary. It was a town of seventeen hundred people. So mommy and daddy paid him fifty thousand dollars a year as a salary, mm-hmm. as a as a, a, an, a he got a fifty thousand dollar a year alliance allowance while he was a uh, part-time mayor of a 1700 person town. And that's what he's using as his bona fides, but he's a Bernie Sanders socialist. Bernie was campaigning for him in, uh, in uh, independence park in Philadelphia, just a couple of days ago, talking about how they're going to make sure that uh, they're going to cancel all private medical insurance. So the guy is an out and out socialist who sends his kids to private schools, uh-huh. even though he's pushing uh, public schools. But uh, we should talk about Georgia. OK, because Georgia is we don't have the best candidate, in my opinion, with Herschel Washer, Walker, but he is the candidate. And Raphael Warnock has an advantage over Herschel Walker because a he's been in office a brief time, but he's also a pastor and he can speak. And Herschel's not the greatest speaker, but here's where the advantage lies. The Democrats, instead of holding rallies and patting each other on the back and saying, we're going to have a wave, they've been going door to door. They are paying people, embedding people in precincts, in sections of Georgia, high density sections of Georgia, where where they are telling people, this is who you have to vote for. They are pumping money into this race. And uh, the GOP better start campaigning like they are scared as hell in every single state and district or we could have a problem. You know what sucks is that like Florida is no longer a swing state anymore. Right. And it's like it migrated to Georgia. They Mm -hmm. they said we're going to give up on Florida being our swing state because we can't get away with it anymore. Because the first thing that DeSantis did was get rid of all of the people that were swaying the elections in Florida. And so now it's Georgia and Georgia has I I mean, Georgia's just an absolute shit show in this um, Meadows case. There's a bunch of exhibits that have been filed. And one of them is the testimony of Raffensperger in front of the January 6th committee. And what he says about how Trump was Trump and his people were trying to reach out to him. And he's like, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to talk to them. We're in the middle of lawsuits. We can't talk to them. And how he was like so like. So like impish and like, oh, God, this, these people just make me sick, Mike. They really do. That's understandable. What you also must realize is that um, Georgia became a swing state because all the people leaving New York couldn't afford the gas to get all the way to Florida. So they just stopped in Georgia and set up camp. You know, yeah. you, you say you, it's interesting because all the people leaving New York, the first place that all my liberal New York friends went when it was still fine to talk to them was Charlotte. And of course, yesterday we got a clip of a gay pride parade in Charlotte where a stripper. Did you see this? Yeah. With the kid. Yeah. Yep. A stripper is there. And and Charlotte was such. And I have friends that live there. It is a beautiful city. It really is. And it was anyway, a beautiful city, but not not no more. Not with this crap going on. Oh, I love Charlotte and uh, the food. Let's even talk about the food. There's so much good about Charlotte. I loved it there. It's beautiful. It's quaint. It's still a nice city. Um, But they're having strippers literally 
wedge children between their breasts and gyrate on a pole at a gay pride parade. Why is it? And we do this every time. Why is it that they have to be so degenerate? Why can't they just walk around with the rainbow flag and call it a day? Yeah. I, I don't if you burn a rainbow flag, it's a hate crime. If you burn the American flag, it's free speech. Amazing. Just amazing. Just, just putting that out there, everybody. I can't. I can't even. Like, we're in <laughs> such know. crazy town, Mike. Have you ever, Have you ever? Has it ever been like this? You've been in broadcasting for a really long time. Only 33 years. Has it okay. ever been like this before? No, it's never been this nuts. And it's also never been this divisive. Yeah. And, you know, we were told, we were promised on uh, on January, what, 21st of uh, 2021 by Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. that he was going to be the guy to reunite the country, that he was going to bring us back. And last night in his um, Scream Fest, uh, at in uh, Maryland, he held a campaign style rally. Looked like he was running for president in 2024 or 2022, which he thinks he probably is. Uh, and yelling into the microphone, he called Republicans who supported Trump semi fascists, which is basically the entire country. Who is a semi? What is a semi fascist? His administration is literally fascist, literally fascist. Yeah, when you go to all the mandates, all the requirements, uh, we still have one of the greatest tennis players ever in the history of the game who cannot play in one of the major tournaments, the biggest tournament in America, the U.S. Open, which starts on Sunday. He can't play because of a vaccine mandate. He's had COVID. He has the antibodies, and he can't even come into the country and play in the tournament. Meanwhile, 23,000 fans will gather in the stadium unmasked, without vaccine passports, sitting right next to each other, asses to elbows right there in the stadium. And the tennis players who are socially distanced by the nature of the game can't. It's insane. And it's fascism. Not only that, he's turned the police force against the citizens that he doesn't agree with. Yeah, it's really scary what's going on with this administration on every single level. Look what they're going to do to Project Veritas now. Watch what happens. Just watch You're bringing up Project Veritas because the Ashley Biden diary, which was stolen or found, depending on which side you listen to, by these two people who have now pled guilty. And uh, they tried to sell it to the uh, Trump organization. And the Trump said no, 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 to their credit. And nobody's reporting that. Yeah, that that was something that went under the radar, huh? Yeah, and absolutely did the right thing. They told him to take it to the the authorities, which they didn't. Uh, These people then uh, allegedly sold it to Project Veritas for $40,000, allegedly. But here's what nobody's really spent any time on. That verification of that diary now yeah, tells it's, us that all the creepy crap that's in there about Joe Biden is was real. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like he abused his daughter sexually. Come on, guys. I mean. Uh, I have to, I think I have to play the song, oh if, you, if you don't mind. Okay. It's very short. Super creepy, everybody. It's not just super creepy. It's criminal. It is criminal. And and yet we will never hear it. Just like we will never hear the, the real story of Tara Reid, whose papers are locked up in the University of Delaware. Biden stashed all his papers there before he uh, became the president. 
and no one's allowed to see them. Oh, nope. you mean it's okay for some people to hide papers away? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, I thought that that was a felony that required a, a raid on somebody's house. Joe, I, I think the FBI is afraid of raiding Joe because, you know, he likes to skinny dip. And that would be a horrible thing to come in and well, catch Joe his Buck. son Hunter didn't fall far, far from the tree then, given the videos. That, can you imagine for a second if President Trump was president still and all this crap came out about Don Jr. or Eric? Can you imagine They'd be calling for his head on a pike. They do it anyway, and he hasn't done anything wrong. Well, all of the stories that were told to us about Donald Trump that had no basis in reality, no truth. If uh, if now we know how many of the stories we've heard about the Bidens are true, based on Ashley's diary and Hunter's notebook, we know Joe is the big guy. We know Joe's a creep, possibly a uh, a pedo creep. We know he was a hair sniffer. We saw that. We have all the pictures. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump is accused of peeing on, having hookers pee on a bed in Russia. He was accused of so much more being a, a Russian asset by so many people. It, it's just astounding. I hate to play the whataboutism game, but if if any of the Trump children were snorting coke off a hooker's butt, if any of the Trump children admitted to waking up in a pool in Vegas after a bender. Not that I've, I've not awakened in a, in <laughs> a swimming pool in the middle of the night, but I wasn't snorting Coke off a hookers, a Russian hookers. But uh, I, I just think the world would be turned inside out. If this were one of the Trump kids, it would be, it would be all over the place. They'd be, I mean, I, I can't just, and, and how these like sanctimonious lefties sit there. Like, hmm, like how do they, oh, he just has drug problems. It's like, no, it's so much more than that. And A, he didn't have a drug problem. He got as many drugs as he wanted. Yeah. Hunter didn't have a damn problem getting drugs because he was getting paid a million dollars a year from Ukraine. And can we talk about Ukraine and the war in Ukraine as we're now in the oh. month? And what the hell is going on with the weapons we're sending? This, this is this is something. This broke this morning. Yeah. That our special forces soldiers are being robbed of their weapons to send them to Ukraine. Yeah, to be to be uh telling our special forces teams you have to turn in certain rifles, which are really important rifles if you're on a if you're on a uh, secret mission, you you need the best. And and to be told, you have to turn those in because uh, we got to send them over to uh, the Ukrainians. And this story, this story, recoilless rifles and rocket systems, ammunition being taken out of the hands of our special forces into active service in Ukraine. This is treasonous to me. It. it we're disarming our own military in favor of what? In fa we talked about this early, Mike. This oh, yeah, we did, because we don't know who the good guys are here. Yeah. Not that there's ever going to be a good guy, but we're not sure if Ukraine is actually all that good. No, it's not. It's the devil's playground. That's what I call it. It's the devil's playground. And this guy isn't over his skis. He has no idea what's going on over there. No. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just clamoring around like try, like he's doing Vanity Fair spreads with his wife. Give me a break. Come on. But the money, as egregious as that was, that we are pouring into Ukraine, 
versus taking care of Americans, veterans, kids in school, the opioid problem, the wall, all and on. Now you add in the weapons. And how much of the $7 billion in weaponry we left behind a year ago in, uh, in Afghanistan has ended up in the hands of bad people around the world, some of them probably on the battlefield in Ukraine? It's frightening because we can't, they can't do anything right as it is. It's, it's, it's like a planned destruction, Mike. They're planning, like, that's what one of the, there are some text messages that were shared in this little um, oh, yeah. story break. And, and the, the soldiers are talking to one another. Let me, let me find it real quick. I've got it here if you want it. Yeah, read, read what they're saying to each other. Yeah, this is a story courtesy of our friends at Citizen Free Press. Um, this is, uh, I'm, I don't know if this is a real person's name, Dr. Snecotron. I don't think that's probably in this driver's license. Talks about um, a, a tweet from one of our service members. I'm getting word from team guys. That means special forces that they're being forced to turn in their Carl G's. Those are Carl Gustav rifles, 8.4 centimeter recoilless rifles, an indispensable piece of equipment to special forces teams sent to Ukraine. This removes a very important item out of an operator's kit. And if you are an operator, you are in the field. You're out there. And uh, there is a redacted identity that says, have your Bravos prep your Carl G's for turn-in. I fought back on it as long as I can. Group CDR said, tough shit. SecDef is sending them to Ukraine. Somebody, this is why we have to have control of the House, so we can call the Secretary of Defense in and say, are you taking the Carl G's out of the hands of our special operators and handing them to the Ukrainians? The next text message, not just special forces, you didn't hear from me, but... I can't. I'm not military. HIMAR, H-I-M-A-R, system slated for my regiment were sent there, along with most of the ammo allotted to the regiment for training this year for both tubes and rockets. And then someone replies, we're being played to become defenseless. And he says, the other guy says, apparently it's also happened to the other Marine Corps artillery regiments. So we will arm the shit out of the IRF, but you will disarm special forces. And then someone says, are we just conceding conflicts for the next 10 years? And then someone else replies, for real, though, for real, though, that can't be a thing. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because we know that things that don't make any sense can't be true. Can they witness the last 18 months? Well, a friend of mine who I won't name and I'm having conversations with like offline about all the crap going on is saying like that'll never happen. They can't do that. They can't say that like privilege doesn't matter or this doesn't matter or the president doesn't have the ability to classify. And I'm like, but they're doing it already. Like. There's no law and order. There's no law and order. This is a ty- this is a tyrannical government. And it is looking like, Mike, they're doing it on purpose. They're disarming our own military in favor of some crack group of Ukrainians that haven't even been trained to fight. I mean, what is going on? And I thought this story out of Miami was awful. And then I saw this story. Did you see the story out of Miami about the gun buybacks? No. Okay. Miami is having gun buybacks because Miami in a red state, not necessarily a red city. You know, there's still a lot of people that got blue all over them in that city. They're having gun buybacks and they are promoting it by saying every gun we take off the street is being sent to Ukraine. I know. 
So these people are literally giving up their own guns here to send to Ukraine as they preach how Ukraine needs to defend themselves because of the very thing that we have our guns for, basically. 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 Uh, Keep saying it, Zuck. (laughs) It's a good callback. I'm not lying. This is so maddening to me. This whole thing is maddening. And uh, I I was going to save it to the very end, but I can't. This is all happening on the anniversary the one-year anniversary of the loss of 13 American souls outside of Abbey Gate at the Kabul airport when a terrorist exploded a bomb and killed 13 Americans. Can I just say the one, the the mother of um, one of the the fallen was um, highlighted because she was the one that actually went and met with Biden and said, you know, I don't want to talk to you. And then Biden went to this big diatribe about how he knows what it's like to lose a son and his son. And then he was checking his watch while the cas- while the caskets were being delivered. Yeah, I think I may have that clip, which uh, I think is kind of important. Um, if you want, I think I can I can pull it up and play the clip from a gold star mom. Yeah. Who, yeah. Uh, who just recently she not only lost one son. She lost a second son oh, gosh. this year. Her son, her younger son committed suicide. And if, if you want to understand how awful this is, you need to hear it from the mouth of a gold star mom. Hold on a second. I'm going to let this, uh, this ad run. Cause this clip, I hadn't prepared this clip cause I was, was going to try and save this for a little bit later. Let me, oh. uh, let me take the volume down on this. Uh, this is stupid, a stupid ad. But anyway, this is a gold star mother who was talking to Joe Biden. You remember the um, the moment that Biden was at uh, Dover Air Force Base, not too far from me. It's about 40 miles from me when the 13 flag draped caskets were brought and all the families were there. And the gold star, the newly minted, tragically so gold star parents were gathered there. And they were watching the um, the bodies being delivered. And then the mother of one of the kids met with Joe Biden and was determined to go up and speak to him face to face. Shanna Chappelle is the mother of this um, of this Marine who was a hero. And these kids, if you look at the list, one of the people in this uh, tragedy, only one April. was a um Hate mail. Hate mail. Hate mail. I'm sorry. I'm having such a problem. It's okay. It is what it is. Let me cue it up here. Somebody keeps these damn pop ups. You're going to. It's annoying. I get it. No, this is what happens. We have this all the time, and everybody loves it. It's so natural. Do they? (laughs) Okay. All right. So here is here is Shauna, and talking about her meeting with Joe Biden, and this is infuriating. To confront President Biden about her son's death. The meeting with Biden was, I, I don't even know if the dude is all there. Uh, when I was face-to-face with him, I made sure to make eye, con- make eye contact with him. I remember his wife, she went to shake my hand, and I moved my, I didn't give her my hand. I just looked at her, and then I looked at Biden, and I told him, I don't actually want to talk to you. And he said, okay, then. And he went to turn to walk away, and I said, but I'm going to out of respect for my son. My son is Lance Corporal Cream McCoon. And as soon as I started, I told him, I, I was angry, so I was doing the mommy whisper. Because, um, you know, when you're <laughs> that was coming out. And there was tears coming out because I was frustrated, angry, and I'm hurt that I don't have my son. And I'm looking at the man that I feel is responsible for my son's death. And um, 
as, as soon as I started saying, you know, I'm never going to get to hug my son again. I'm never going to see him. I'm never going to hear his laugh. He interrupted me and started talking about his son, about his son. And I remember looking at him and going, what are you doing? And then I said something along the line, this isn't about your son. This is about my son. And um, I told him he had no business talking about his son. And then I started again uh, talking about my son. And then he said, I just wanted to let you know how I feel. At that point, now I'm even more angry because he said he brought up his son because he just wanted to let me know how he feels. I probably sound like I didn't care that he lost a kid and I didn't mean for it to sound that way. It's his son died of cancer. So they had time to be there, spend time with him, tell him about. My son died because of the very man that I was talking to. And then he ended up turning his back on me to walk away. And that's when I yelled, um, hey, Biden. And he turned around. And I said, you know, my son's blood is on your hands, right? And I said, all 13, their blood is on your hands. And he turned his back on me again and waved his hand behind his back and walked away. As if, like, like the way he makes it seem as he looks at our our uh, boys as if they're disposable and replaceable. That's how I feel if you look at them. So I know during the... the, the, the I, I'm going to stop because this guy goes on to the him checking his watch. It was on Town Hall, if you want to see it, the story. Uh, it, it also recounts uh, how many times Biden looked at his watch during the ceremony. Yep. This mom talks about the ripple effect. I lost two sons in less than one year. Both of them... In the month of August, her son, Dakota, the younger son, killed himself less than a year after his brother's death. This is the biggest heartbreak. This is what I am. I'm embarrassed that our country is not making a special effort to honor those 13. And the only reason they're not doing it. It's not politically expedient. It would hurt the midterms. It's sick. So sick. I, I, uh, yeah. really tough. There, there's also a lot of fallout going on within the government, uh, Mike. We've been talking about it, but you know what's crazy? It's um, Politico came out with a story yesterday about how um, there was a House committee that was designated to figure out if President Trump pressured the FDA to approve the Pfizer vaccines before the election for political clout. Yeah, um, and they also could have asked, was it being suppressed for political clout? Yeah, and it was, clearly. I mean, they thought, you know, six days after the election, they came out with the, oh, it's, it's, it's ready to go, everything's out. But I look at this in a little bit of a different way. I think that with all the fallout that's going on, with all the changes at the CDC, with the Health and Human Services Department changing things around, with Fauci stepping down, with, you know, all the things that we're seeing quietly happening behind the scenes, I think that they're going to pivot everything and just blame it on him for rushing everything. Oh, they already are. Yeah. The move is already in place. Uh, I think Politico has already begun yep. saying that all of the problems with the vaccinations, all of the failures of the vaccine, well, they're all because of Trump. I, we called this from the beginning and he kept taking ownership of it. And I, I didn't think that was a wise idea for him. So he kept on owning it and owning it. And you know, what's interesting is that Nate Silver from 538 came out and did the opposite. He said liberal public health elites pressured Pfizer to delay the fast track approval of its COVID-19 vaccine. And now listen, here's the problem we're going to have. You can see it in the guidance switch. All of these brainwashed people, they've successfully brainwashed all of these people, right? Look mm -hmm. no further than what's her name. Um, 
her tw- her Twitter, uh, the one who attacked lives at TikTok. Um, oh yeah, the crazy one with the weird looking hair from the not from the New York Times. Yeah, I can't remember her name. I washed her from my memory. Yeah, I can't remember like her I, name either. Like I, like I want her to wash her hair. It always looks like she needs to get her hair washed. I'm just saying. Um, well, she is so brainwashed that she won't go anywhere without like six surgical masks plastered to her face. Okay. <laughs> so they've done it. So now anything that comes out that says anything negative about the vaccines or anything negative about like they've they've weaponized their own people to not accept the narrative they need to switch to. Um, this is so interesting because we need to make sure we put timelines out for all of this. All of this. Like which, what? What do you mean? Everything that shows the beginning to present to where because they were they were cheering Joe Biden saying he got more vaccines out there than anybody. He fixed the vaccine distribution. Remember? Yeah, I do. And and, you know, I also remember my neighbor saying I'll never get this vaccine. It was from Trump. And then not even two weeks into the presidency, they're shooting up their arms. Can we pause for one second? Someone's walking up on driver. Yeah. Hold on. So you were saying timelines. Yeah. Talking about how how the information and the credit or blame has now shifted and it has changed throughout. Now, we all know that the questions about the vaccine and I'm one of the people who openly regrets having taken the vaccine openly. I'm absolutely completely uh, pissed off that I took it and worried that I'm a ticking time bomb. So I'm doing everything I can to get the remnants of it out of my system. I don't know if I ever ever will completely, but I consider myself lucky to a have never gotten the COVID and B not to have any serious apparent repercussions from the vaccine. But there are thousands of people who have not been so fortunate. Yeah. You, you, you know, I talked to Dr. McCullough just last week about this, Mike. And um, I asked him like, you know, Cause he said one of the biggest things that people say to him, well, everybody isn't having a problem. So, and he said that there were a lot of um, batches of this vaccine that weren't stored properly or weren't taken care of the right way, or they changed the formulation or this and this and this and this. And that's why we're not seeing it like literally everyone having a problem with it. But now you'd think that with all of this rolling out and the fact that they can't deny it anymore. Now they're starting to write stories about the reports that everybody in the hospital is vaccinated. And they're saying like, oh, well, that's that's you know, you're not looking at the right age. You're not looking at this. You're not looking at that one before. If you sneezed and you were tested for covid and tested positive, even if you were in there after being shot in the head, you had covid. Right. So the whole narrative switch, they've done it in a very particular way, but they can't hide this stuff anymore and they have to blame someone and they sure as hell aren't going to blame themselves. They're going to try and push everything under the rug. Yeah. And try and blame Trump. And they're still releasing a freaking Omicron variant vaccine in September. Not taking it. I'll tell you, I uh, I got stung by a bee two days ago in the back of my head. It was the weirdest thing ever. And I was like, what the hell? And it hurt like hell. So I went to the doc in the box just to make sure that a bee sting in the head wasn't a problem. And they checked it out and tested me for COVID. You've got to be kidding me. Why did you do it? They No, they tested. They just swabbed my nose. Why did you let them? Because they said it's their protocol. I didn't pay for it. It didn't cost me a dime. I don't care. You still got that thing up your nose. It was a stick. It was a swab. It wasn't any chemicals. There's chemicals on the swab, Mike. No, no, no. It's yes, a, yes, yes. 
it's a Q-tip. I've spit in, I've done the whole spit test, the whole thing. Uh-huh. I tested home. I have China tested home. You're negative though. I'm completely negative. Ask my wife. I'm very negative. Poor thing. No, I'm negative. But I did have a bee sting to my back of my head. I just wanted to know it couldn't go into my brain. No, it's that's not how it works. I know, I know. There's kind of a skull thing there. Yeah. Are you allergic to bees? No. No. Oh. No, it's just pissed because it hurt like hell. Yeah, they do hurt. Bee stings are nasty. My husband got stung by a little baby wasp two times on the neck last weekend. Wow. Yeah. Well, this guy got, this guy died because I saw the carcass. You know, stinger left in. So, Oof. yeah. <laughs> Were you walking uh, by your flowers? Your beautiful flowers. Thank you. We're, I was actually rinsing bird poop off my car, and I'd gotten three seconds into hitting the car with the hose, you know, cursing the birds, and ow! That hurt like hell. Yeah, they do hurt. Smacked it. It was a, it was a wasp nest that had uh, built up around where the hose is on the ground. Well, bees aren't wasps. You know that, right? Well, it's a wasps thing. I, I generalize. I, I just generalized. I know. I, so I, I misidentified. Is this like misgendering? Am I- you can't do that to anybody anymore. You can't misgender insects. You can't misgender, you know, people. You can't misgender anybody. It identified as a murder hornet. Oh, God. Remember when they were pulling those out? Yeah, we now have... Um, we now have uh, cicada killers. We have this whole species of flying insect that looks like a, a wasp on steroids, and they're called cicada killers, and they are everywhere in the region. And when they get a cicada, it is nasty to watch. I'll have to send you. I have a little video of them, but they're all, they don't attack people, but they are scary as all hell, and they're all over the golf course. Really? Yeah. I've never heard of that before. I hadn't either. And, uh, you know, as my, I think we need cicadas. I'm sure they provide a valuable link in the food chain somewhere. But these cicada killers, they're just they're scary. And there will be a movie made about them, I'm sure. Can I um, jump back to Meta real quick? Because yeah. I wanted to point out that if Joe Rogan was worth his salt and I haven't listened to the whole interview, so someone correct me if I'm wrong. He would have asked him. Facebook man, why it is he contributed so much money to the, the the administration of private elections in the United States of America? Yeah, why why were there hundreds of from your pocket into basically a Democratic assist program? As you're as you're as you're also m- maintaining and controlling public opinion surrounding the candidates. Yeah, the whole uh, censorship and then nudging the election one way or the other is wrong. It's totally wrong. And if I could cancel him today uh, because I look as a portal to so many different people in my world, I would do it. And it really aggravates me. I know they're down. They're way down because the kids have abandoned Facebook for YouTube. Well, for TikTok. Most YouTube is where they get most of their news. And uh, don't even get me started on TikTok. Not allowed in our house. Oh, you're not allowed to have the keystroke tracking app? No. I've never had TikTok. My wife will never have TikTok. The dog will never have TikTok on her phone. None of us will have TikTok ever. It's funny because, <laughs> ah, never mind. It doesn't matter. Do you have TikTok? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Shame on you. Yeah. I'm telegraphing things to the CCP. I, well, I don't like that. Yeah, it's good. Now, um, in terms of other obscure stories. Oh, I was hoping you would do this today. Hit me. Well, how do we feel about Shia LaBeouf? Oh, to- 
Catholicism. I saw that. You know what? I think it's kind of beautiful, actually. Yeah, it is, isn't it? He was studying for the role of Padre Pio in a movie that's coming up and reportedly, allegedly has converted to Catholicism. Not even it, just converted. He's had like a reawakening, like a, a renewal, a rebirth. Yeah. And actually talked about how he had gone from a really dark place in his life where he had a gun on a table and was going to take himself out. And and now he's had this this uh, this epiphany, if you will, to use the appropriate word. He's only 36 years old. And I think this is amazing. It I, is. It's an amazing story. It's actually really, really something. And it reminds me of the episode that I, I, I spent talking about the man who had converted from like the founder of the Church of Satan overseas to being saved by God and how deeply that touched me just watching him talk about his transformation. It's- yeah, the, the, this could be um, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's obviously a story to pump up the release of the film. I'm saying, no, if you're doing that, you don't sit down with Bishop Barron. <laughs> I know, you know, it's crazy because he talks about how God came to him in in the only way that God knew he would appreciate or respond to. And that was with his career. Like See, that's kind of the way God works, people. Yeah. Uh, he he works through the most efficient channel. <laughs> and he knows what they are. Well, I, I mean, you know, I hope that um what do you think about all these whistleblowers coming forward, Mike, from the FBI now? What do you think? Does that mean there's a change on the horizon or does that mean they're going to triple down and then we're all going to be screwed? Look, you got 30,000 people, right, in the FBI, uh, various, probably 15,000 agents out there. And then you have administrative and support. And there's a teeny tiny percentage of them on the seventh floor that are the problem. And they are directing. And I got to believe that of that 15,000, a significant number are tired of their reputation being dragged through the mud and saying, look, I got 20 years in. I don't care. I'm going to stand up. And I think that's okay. And I think that's, that's exciting. Now, as you said, will they get stomped on? Will this all be silence? Will the FBI just come harder at it? I think it's pretty difficult to do that now. And if, if we do get the house, you know, Jim Jordan is going to bring them all in. And then what? Well, at least you will have hearings. And I would demand that the mainstream media do it primetime, a la the January 6th committee. You know what's interesting? I don't like her, and I, I think that we've talked about this. I don't know if you like her either. Uh, Megan Kelly? Um, well, you know, she's not difficult to look at. You think she's pretty? Yeah. I've, I've been standing right next to her on a couple of occasions. I was on her show a couple times. Uh, but she's a little strident for me. Explain what you mean, strident. She comes on like a herd of wet goats. Uh, she, she, but she's funny too. She's not my cup of tea, but she's not a dummy. And um, I, I was, as I said, was on the show a couple times, and I watched her work live. Live TV is one of the toughest things you can do. You got no room for error. I've done it and, before. It's not easy. Yeah, and she was driving a show on Fox an hour a day every day and was absolutely crushing it for them and in, in and having a bunch of people around her and she ran that thing like like a great commander would run their platoon whatever it was so i was impressed with her skills that way um 
I do find her her uh, podcast to be interesting because she is intellectually curious and it's not all about, you know, uh, left and right. And I think she brings up good stuff. Am I a fan? Not regularly. So I liked what she said yesterday. I think she's trying too hard. You could say that. I see. That's a really interesting take on this. And I wonder if that is from uh, more of an anima versus an animus perspective. I think I think she's trying really hard to be a hip conservative broadcaster. Um, or she's just trying to get attention. One of the two. Do you want to play it? We can have the curse because this one doesn't go on the radio. I don't think I have it oh, here. Oh, I do. Okay. Tell me what you think about this. He sounds like he's been invited to afternoon tea at one of our houses. I will consider it. I'll consider it, you know, only if it's oversight, because what I experienced was personal attacks. I will go if it's true. Fuck you, Dr. Fauci. You don't get to say whether you go. You get a congressional subpoena, you show up, or you get the Steve Bannon treatment. That doesn't sound real. Um, I think that's how she talks when she's not on broadcast television. <laughs> like if she heard Fauci saying as he did uh, that I will consider a subpoena to testify. I'm sure her first reaction was, Oh fuck you. Yeah. But she didn't say it right. I know she made it. She, she obviously had rehearsed it. It wasn't yeah, a, an organic. You can't reaction. do anger like that while you're rehearsing it. You can't, it has to be organic. You can't, I- you can't do anger and passion reading from a teleprompter. Yeah, that's true. Good point. I, I think you nailed it with the um, she's trying too hard. Mm-hmm. What else? You got one more for us before we call it a day? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm laughing about this one. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal says he can't dismiss the theory that the earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not? Bow to Shaquille O'Neal and say, you, sir, are a genius of getting the attention of the entire world. He was on an Australian podcast. He he was talking about crazy theories and stuff. And the flat earth came up and he goes, well, it's not a theory I can easily dismiss. Listen, it it is definitely something intriguing that once you start looking into isn't it's intriguing. That's why so many people look into it. It. I think I know why he did it. Why? Trying to keep up with Rodman? No, I think Shaq wants to go into space. Oh. Because, you know, from space, if he gets on a rocket and he goes up into space and he can see the Earth from space, he'd be able to debunk the theory. That is true. So I think Shaq, who then, if he is on a spaceship, he would market the hell out of that. He would cash in so it would be amazing. And we didn't even get to Ambassador Rodman. Have you guys covered that? No, we haven't talked about Ambassador Rodman going over to try and save the basketball player. Yeah, the State Department intern du jour, uh, Dennis Rodman, allegedly claimed he had gotten permission to go to Russia to get Brittany Griner out of the Russian jail. Now, first of all, you can still go to Russia, right? There's no uh, restriction on travel to Russia. So who do you get permission from? His mom? Mom, can I go to Russia? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if the Biden um, White House was the one who sent him over there. Well, let's be clear. The WNBA is losing hundreds of dollars without Brittany Griner playing. Hundreds. And that's a lot for them. Yeah. Just want to make sure that point is made. (laughs) 
And when are we going to get a WNFL and a WMLB? God help. You know, what's so funny. I I saw somebody saying something the other day that made so much sense to me. And I don't remember where I saw it. Um, Women aren't going to female basketball games. They don't go like they cry and scream that nobody supports the women's sports, but they don't themselves support the women's sports. Mm. So then they're looking for the men to support the women's sports and the men like the men's sports. So why should the men have to support the women's sports? The women are all at the men's games. That's true. And men will go to women's sports like women's soccer because, I, you know, we do like to look at healthy bodies, I think. I oh, think yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. I think. I think women go to NBA games because millionaires in shorts. Come on, <laughs> let's let's talk about it. <laughs> At the same time, I want to throw one more log on the obscure file. All right. All right. Um, I am an unabashed fan of the television program, The Gilmore Girls. <laughs> did you not know that? I did not. All right. It's one of the greatest shows ever written. The early years, of course. And in the Gilmore Girls, which was written uh, by Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband, Daniel Palladino, the dialogue is like uh, something you would expect at the Algonquin Round Table, right, with Dorothy Parker holding forth. It is fast paced. There are great literary references in it. I don't know any of the things you just mentioned so that I cannot make the comparison. All right. Well, you you should look into it because Dorothy Parker was a, just a brilliant writer. Okay. And, and it's just a, a wonderful, hilarious, powerful woman in the days of the round table at the old Algonquin. And so much so that monthly we used to have a luncheon. What's the Algonquin? At, it's an old hotel in Midtown Manhattan, right there on the off 6th Avenue or like 43rd Street. OK. And we used to go in and have lunch at the round table and think we were cool because we were sitting where all of Moss Hart and and all of the great minds of that era would gather and hold forth and get hammered. Uh, But (laughs) so this show is written in the style of the Dorothy Parker-esque writing. And it's just a brilliant show. And it's a story about three generations of women, actually, if you you look at it from a story arc perspective. But the star of the male star of the show is a guy named Scott Patterson. The show's not on anymore. Uh, They do specials every now and then. But he is now out complaining that the show basically looked at him like a piece of meat in one episode. And he's sorry that he didn't speak up for himself. And like, are you kidding me? They made comments about how good his butt was. Mm. He he was a healthy man. And the female star of the show played by uh, Lorelai was played by who's that woman who was in the uh, Bad Santa movie? Uh, I can't remember her name now, uh, but she's uh, she was grad. They were talking about his butt and and he's obsessed that he didn't say anything about it. Now, 11 years later, you're bringing it up. It seems like it's a desperate cry for us. It's, it's very weird. It's very weird to try and get attention for something like that. Decades later. Yeah. Lauren Graham was the actress. I was thinking. I was just looking for it. Lauren Graham and Melissa McCarthy were two of the main characters on the show. And Lauren Graham and Scott Patterson, who played Luke, were this on again, off again couple that ended up being on again at the very end. It was a wonderful story. But the the fact that he is now out talking about how offended he was that they looked at his butt. Uh-huh. You're an actor. You're hired for your looks, dude. It's years later. 
That, <laughs> I, I, it's so weird when people do that. It's so weird. I, I just think that's very strange. Like, it's almost like they're crying for attention. Like, what made him think that anybody was going to be thinking about that now? I don't know. And does he think he's going to be invited back to the special? I guess he thinks his character of Luke is indispensable at this point. And if I were the writers, I would bring him back and I'd do a whole butt scene. <laughs> I'd be so tempted to just do a whole thing about butts and just to see if he speaks up. Because, you know, he's going to be needing the paycheck eventually. Yeah, and he'll get a nice role with some radical feminists um, who will just insult him the entire time instead of compliment his his fine buttocks. The the show, and although I have talked about how great it was, did have a at the end had a radical feminist angle to it. So yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of wokeness in it at the end. Still like a great show. show. Still a great show. It it is. I, I saw one or two episodes of the Gilmore Girls. I, I it reminded me. Uh, I f- I forget the name of the show I used to watch where there was it was sort of like the Gilmore Girls, but it wasn't, and I can't remember the name. Well, the same people are behind the uh, the marvelous Mrs. Meisel or whatever that show is. I don't know that show either. It's a bit, and all the hip cats are into that show. Oh, well, I must no, have missed it. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm complete. I'm sorry. I'm rambling because I miss you like a front too, Mike. I miss you too. I was just about to say this was a very pleasant rejoining of the minds. I'm going to throw out there another date for you. I think I did it the other day, the 16th. Of September. Oh, so I'll see you in September. Probably. I think that sounds good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, you have been listening to the Dark Delight Podcast with Opelka and Beans. (laughs) You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We will be... Uh, with a studio audience Monday and Wednesday. So get ready. Giddy up. Oh, happy, happy International Dog Day, Winnie the Poodle. <laughs> Later. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. Radio Influence.